Well, like I said, um, we're in for a treat today. Farrell has, Farrell has had something on his heart, and I'm going to let him tell you about this for a long time. And uh, we felt like today was the day to share that. Okay, and so Farrell's going to come up and share with us a subject. And Farrell, take as long as you like and say whatever you need to say, because we're here to hear. Okay, in Jesus' name, y'all welcome him. Just give him a hand, you know. Can I help you do anything? You got it. I'll try. I'll try. I just know to move over here. We have, um, here at Providence, we've been through many ups and downs and valleys and highs and lows. Um, one thing that we have not done a lot of teaching about here at Providence is finances. Um, maybe for better or for worse, we're not real sure, but that's what we've done. We've stayed away from getting into people's pockets. So, as a precursor to anything else that's said today, this is not a fundraising message. This is not a guilt you into putting more money in the basket message. This is not anything negative. This is something to put in your little bag of information to learn. Now, before I go any further, Father, bless this that you've given this morning. Father, that it's received in the right manner. Father, that I say it in the correct order. Father, that I don't screw this up so that people can be blessed and learn how your principles and your promises work. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I will do my best to avoid my notes because Natasha knows that if I start on my notes, I will go line for line. And I will be extremely boring. Not that I'm a whole lot different, but anyhow. Uh, one of the first questions I've got to ask you. This thing here, this Bible, do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Are you sure you believe it? Because we're not living most of it. You know, there's a lot of these promises in here that we don't tap into and that we don't ever use. Because... Most of us don't believe they're real. Now, I'm thinking probably everybody in here has heard the Gary Cassie series because I'm sure Wayne's put them in most everybody's hands. And I've listened to Gary Cassie, one, two, three, four, and five, enough that I could probably regurgitate everything in those CDs almost word for word. Because when you spend eight hours a day in a vehicle, when the phones are not ringing a lot, you can listen to quite a bit of information. That was going to be what I was going to do, was regurgitate Gary Cassidy, because it had been easy. Oh, but God's given me some other things. I do want to tell you, and Kim's going to jump right all over this, because I actually, see, I got notes in there, Kim. I'm, now I just got to find them. Um, before we get into any of the promises, and before we get into any direction, we have to cover the law. We have to cover Malachi 3, and we're going to start at 8. Boom. It was longer than three seconds. I'm going to read this one because I don't want to turn around and look. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? 
in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If you will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings, and there will be not room enough to receive it. Now, y'all, that is law. That is the first thing that you do. That has absolutely nothing to do with any of this stuff in this bag. Nothing. We'll get to the bag in a minute. That is your very first thing. Financial blessings do not come unless that scripture is upheld. Tithing is a first thing that we have to put into motion. We cannot go any further. If we don't pay our tithes, we do allow the devourer to come in and steal our seed. So, please pay your tithes. You're supposed to pay them where you go. I don't care. I don't care if you ever put them in that basket. I really don't. But pay your tithes wherever you think you're supposed to. They're supposed to be here, but that's neither here nor there. All right. Now, I'm going to go to John 3.16. This one's an easy one. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. Y'all, when we come back to that one in just a minute, there's going to be a couple of words in there, but focus on that, that he gave, that he gave and will not perish. All right. Genesis 1 and 11. Please, and there we go. You believe that one? In that verse, God created not just the heavens and the earth. He created all of our provisions. He put into the into speaking. He spoke that day the things that we'll need from here on to survive and to, to get through. How about 25? And God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, the cattle of their kind. And that's not the right one. Yes, it is. Go to 26. Where did it go? No, that's not it. I'll go to mine. <laughs> 11. Let's see. We went to 11. We went to 111, and then I didn't finish reading it. But it says there that he gave down towards the bottom of verse 11 into 12. Yep, and bearing fruit for seed. Where'd you go with it, Kim? With seed in it. Bearing fruit with seed in it. Bearing fruit with seed. What are we called? We're called fruit. We go forth and we bear our fruit and we show it. We've got seed in it. Now, seed is something you plant. Seed is something that you get into the dirt so that It'll bring you sustenance. We've got a couple of farmers. I did not realize how seed and farming was until my father-in-law told me how to get out there. And I'm still learning. I have a lot to learn. I cannot drive one of those tractors with the rolling cultivator behind it. I will tear up your garden. That's neither here nor there. The seed will be, the devourer will come through in a rolling cultivator. And his name shall be Pharaoh. 
I don't get on that one piece of equipment. I can ride everything else, but I will not get on that one. Okay. We're going to go to Genesis 21, or excuse me, we're going to go to Genesis 22 and 2. This one is one that has really gotten me. You see, Abraham tells, uh, tells God tells Abraham, actually he's Abram at the beginning of the verse, and then he goes to Abraham at the end, take your son, your only son. Now he rubs it in his face. Your only son. The father of many nations. But this is your only son. And I want you to take him up on a mountain, and I'm going to let you offer him up to a sacrifice. Abraham never wavered. He never questioned. God said, take your son Isaac. Now, let's, since we're in the seed thing, take your only seed that you were supposed to go forth and be the father of many nations. Take your only seed, Isaac, and you're going to sacrifice it. Well, God, this is the only one I've got. I need to do what I got to do. I got to raise Isaac the right way. I got to do this. No, offer him up to me. It's neat that, that Abraham never wavered because I'm, I got three of them. I'd have told God what mountain he could have jumped off of really quick. I, just my flesh. Um, oh, I missed a verse that I wanted to tell you. Actually, we'll come back to that one. When, when God created Adam and Eve, what is the one thing they don't have that we do? Belly button. Now, when I started studying this stuff, and I've been reading off and on for the last couple of weeks and listening, I heard in my spirit umbilical cord. And God has shown me how Adam and Eve were created, and they were provided for right off the bat. They had everything they needed. They were provided for in the spirit from God. Now, when Adam screwed up, he listened. They did everything wrong. From that point on, every child that's born has an umbilical cord. They have a belly button. That umbilical cord is a fleshly provision from mother to the baby. When we come out, the doctor offers, I turned him down, to let you cut the umbilical cord. I turned him down quick. Don't let anybody else tell you I did different. At that point in time, the mother quits offering sustenance and provision to that baby well where we are in the spirit god created this whole universe that we would never have to rely on that fleshly umbilical cord after birth and through all this growing up stuff we have stayed attached to man's umbilical cord of money and debt and how you operate in it you see, if we were to figure out how to cut the spiritual cord or cut that fleshly cord and live in the, um, live in the full spiritual realm of provision, 
we can cut man's tie to us. And I, I, after reading this, one of the things that I figured out, I don't like our money having in God we trust on it anymore. It's not that. You have a God that is called money. In that God we trust. That is your umbilical cord to survive. In that dollar bill at the bottom of it, it says, in God we trust. That is our God. Most every day of the week, because we have to live from paycheck to paycheck, from month to month, on our income. That's how we survive. That, in most days, is our God. And I never thought about it this way. I'm sure y'all probably did, but, you know, that's neither here. It just, it really, and I remember Keith just did a lesson just a few weeks ago with the kids. On the bottom of the little coin, in God we trust. And when you tie that into Sat spoke um, a year ago about all the different gods and how that one now rules us. Now, where, let me get back. I just need to make sure I do that. Let's cut the cord. Um, where we've been. In struggling in this house from day to day, month to month, to make our bills, as a body, as a church of elders and leaders, the Providence Checkbook has struggled for the 10 years, 11 years that it has been in existence. As of today, that checkbook is not struggling. I made sure and balanced it before I came up here this morning. I wanted you to know that the checkbook for Providence is in better shape than it's ever been. Now, here is where we have to remember what we're tied into. We are part of the Providence family. When the net increase in the Providence checkbook increases and you're tapped into what God is doing in this house, you're tapped into what God is doing in that checkbook, which means you are tapped into the very same provision that God is taking place right now. We could not accept another dime for the next two and a half months in that little basket back there, and every need in this house would be met. If Jay were here, he can tell you the number of months that he struggled which one do I pay? And he would come, guys, which one do we need to pay first? We've learned through some different means how to utilize what God's given us and turn around and make the most out of it. Back in somewhere around 2000 or either 2000, no, it had been 2002, this body of people wrote a check for $10,000 and sent it to start a school in Mozambique with Leif Hetland. <laughs> Y'all, I thought we were plum idiots. I thought we were all far rocker. We were in a storefront place, and we pinned a check for $10,000. That was everything we had. 
it was every single penny that we had. And we knew God was going to take this thing. It would be nice to know what's going on at the school down there. How many people have been touched? How many seeds have gone forth from the word that they were given the opportunity to hear at that school for pastors? Now, the thing about that $10,000, we were in a church building fund program, the all-holy building fund program. That was our building fund program seed. We gave it as an offering. Not really understanding everything that goes along with that seed. But the thing about that seed that God reminded me about this week is this little ear of corn. I can take this puppy home and cook it, and I have enough for everybody. Nope, I have just enough for me. This is our $10,000 check that we sent. You see, that $10,000 was not going to do what we needed done. We could survive on that $10,000 for just a little while, but it was not going to do what we needed done. Now, if you take this, and I had some back there that I found yesterday, that the devourer ate our corn. Because we left it laying in that little room back there. We did not properly apply the corn. And we found the remains of our corn cobs yesterday. I think it was probably an Indian corn deal, whatever it was. What happens with this? This is your, either it's your last meal, like the woman that, uh, it, Zarephath, I can't ever say those names right. Her last meal, she was going to bake bread or break, break, bake meal and die. You can eat this last piece of corn and you can die. It is a very easy thing. Do you take it? Go and die today if that's what you want to do. But if you were to maybe say, God, this is everything I've got. I'm giving it to you. And God's going to say, okay, this is what you do with your seed. Because now your meal has become your seed. Your dollar that was going to buy this is now going to pay, do this. If you get in this, and I'm not going to open it. We all know what corn looks like on the inside. And you let this thing dry out. Wayne, can you plant those seeds? Keith, can you take those seeds and see them grow again? If you break them off that cob, every year at the end of harvest, we go out there in that field and there's ears of corn growing because seed fell by the wayside. You didn't get that. Seed fell by the wayside. We've lost so much corn in that field because the man that picked it did not go through properly. He drove through in a high rate of speed. He wasted our corn. He wasted our seed. What happens when we get something? If we get $100 extra and we run out there and we plant it and then we wait by the mailbox, or we wait here for that seed to take place. As soon as we see something, we rush in there, and we grab it. We've got to be careful on that. You see, with all these processes, 
with all these seeds, with all these different things. And, Wayne, I don't know where these came from. I just dug them out of my truck this week. I'm surprised they're not growing as much dirt as I have. With every one of those, there's a whole time-space continuum deal that we've got to keep up with. When our harvest shows up, and I'm going to bring it really quick to an easy one. If we allow the enemy to mess with us and get too excited when that stuff's in there, and we run through that field with that combine going wide open, the number of stuff that we lose along the way, that's just as much as the devourer coming in and taking up, just like Malachi talks about, as it was if we did not ever collect it to start with. Now, I've talked in a circle, and I know I have. If this is not, does not meet your need, it is your seed. If your $100 that you have in your checking account does not pay your bills, it cannot meet your need. You've got to look at, is this God saying, I need to grow this? You see, God, is, God has got all these provisions, and I'm trying to stay away from the CDs because you, if you've already listened, to those, if you haven't listened to those, please see, Wayne. There's a lot of information in those that I cannot cover. When, when we're given the opportunity to plant and when we're given the opportunity to sow, there's a perfect space and time that we are to harvest our stuff and that we are to plant our stuff. There's a planting moon. There's a harvest moon. There is a season at which you have to do what God says do. Just because you have these, just because you have that extra $100 in your checking account and you think it's your seed, and I have these seeds, I can run out right now and throw them in the dirt. And they'll grow. But if I don't plant them at just the right time, they won't grow properly. There's a, if I'm not mistaken, there's a cutoff on when you can plant corn, right? Because if you plant it too late, the fungus, isn't there a black fungus or whatever? There's something that goes wrong with it. If you plant it too late, it will not grow properly. But if you plant it too early, then the frost will get it. And again, this is all stuff I've learned in the last few years as Wayne has beat me over the head with different things and taught me to get it in there. As we get these things, as you pray and seek God's face on how do I get out of this mess that I'm in? How do I seek and how do I obtain those provisions, God? Because that's been my argument with God. God... I don't know how you're doing this stuff. I don't know how you intend on sending this in. Just a few weeks ago, Natasha and I planted a seed for a project. We named it specifically. I get impatient sometimes, especially when we're planting the field for dove. When we're getting the corn ready, I get impatient. I don't see that corn come up anytime soon. I don't see those things. It's been a struggle for me to not say, okay, God, we planted that seed three weeks ago. 
they ain't called yet back yet. And everybody's asked, how's the project coming? It's fine. It's fine. It is. They have not called to say no whatsoever. And to me, that's a victory. That that's you know, as long as they're not saying no, they can say yes. You see, I, I I've been teaching Levi and them. You know, where were we? We were at the game last week. I said Levi, go ask for what was it? What was it? I told him to go ask for. I cannot remember. Ask for one of the balls that the guys were throwing. Just go ask him for it. I can't do that. What is he going to do? Right now, you don't have the ball. If you go ask for the ball, he says, no, you still don't have the ball. What have you lost? Really? But if you don't have the ball and you go ask to have the ball and he gives you the ball, what have you gained? So you've lost absolutely nothing because you had nothing to start with. But if you operate in the realm of faith and say, okay, God, I'm going to go ask at least. Then you have an opportunity to be given. I asked for that project. I planted seed. Natasha and I planted a bigger seed than what we had. But in the realm of that project value, it's the perfect size seed to reap the harvest of that project. You see, this thing right here, I can take this right here, and at just the right time that the seed's ready to plant, at just the right soil, I can grow enough corn out of this one ear that I can invite every one of y'all to the house and feed you out of my harvest off of this one corn. <laughs> it fell. My display fell. It's okay. Y'all, pull back up John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only seed that everyone who believes in that seed will not perish. God destined us to take from his seed and to learn to walk in his harvest. You see, that one act when God planted Jesus in the dirt, in the tomb, he was one man. He was one seed. But when he came out of that tomb in spirit, it was not death. He came up out of the grave, out of the dirt, to be omnipresent once again. That one seed of his son became more than enough harvest for each of us to obtain. I was going in the direction of finances this morning all week long. My scripture for John 3.16 was just to make sure you believed. But as I was studying, so God gave his only seed that whosoever shall partake of that seed shall not perish ever again. 
the day that Jesus came back, he not only beat hell and Satan and everything else, he reminded us that we have been provided for just like Adam and Eve were provided for in the garden before they ever sinned. Our provisions are met. Our finances may look bleak sometimes, and our day may look like pure out crap. But God gave his seed so that I could harvest, and I won't perish. God has provided each of us with the opportunity. Now, all these things, because we live in a world of money, you can apply them to money. Every one of these things. All this seed stuff, you can plant it and it'll grow. Y'all, we can plant $10 here and we can do this for there. And that's where we need to be. But at the end of the day, if we don't believe that we can harvest what God planted out of his son when he transcended the death and when he came past the whole my heart stopped beating thing and I suffered and died, as Jay like say, that man woke up dead. God woke up dead. Jesus woke up dead. He was there. He suffered and died. And he was planted so that we could harvest. Now, the one thing about these seeds, God gave his seed. When you put that seed, that financial seed in God's hands, and that's the key. Release that into God's hands. You will not perish if you believe that you have released that seed into God's hands. It may be your last meal worth. But if you don't, what is it? The um, Elisha, right? First, second. Elisha. Elijah first, as she was standing there telling him what she had to offer, he said, do not fear. That is what he prepped. Before he told her what else was going to happen, he said, do not fear. Do not fear that grave. Do not fear that death. Do not fear the lack of knowing that you're giving God your last meal. That, before anything else, has been one of my hardest things. Because I can look and say, okay, God, with that $100, yeah, it doesn't pay this bill, but I can, do, I can pay this one, and I can do that one. Well, those really weren't that important, Farrell. But I paid them, God, because I needed them to go away. If I'd have trusted in that seed that God sent the bigger bills or the bigger debt or the bigger mountains that are in eleven in Mark eleven twenty three and 4, those bigger mountains would have already crumbled. But now, understanding a different way of John 3, 16, I'm going to walk in my harvest every single day. And every single day, I'm going to plant my only seed into a grave that I know has already been defeated. The dirt where Jesus was laid is probably stony, nasty, hard, soil, rocky. He was put in the side of a mountain. 
But God took even the worst soil conditions of everything else. He planted his son into the worst of environments and saw him raised from the grave, raised from the dead. Y'all, money is a hard thing for each of us. We have watched families of providence who have come and gone, have dealt worse with money and the struggles of finances more than anything else. We've probably had more bankruptcies per capita in this body than any other church in town. Not that they don't struggle because I see them all the time. Bankruptcy in the church and struggling financially in the church is wrong. We shouldn't have to go through that, but we have. And that's not anybody's fault. That's just the enemy. If he can make a church look cheap and broke, who's going to want to go? If I can go out into the world and make $100,000 a year and no stress, or I can live in church and be here from 9 o'clock to 8 o'clock yesterday and struggle in finances and hardly pay my way, why do I want to do that? Really? What have we got that the world wants? You're not going to always, you know, Warren's out there. He's sharing everything in the world with them. But if they walk through that door and they don't see something they want, and if every time we come together we have to pray over a bill, what's the world want to be a part of that for? I can struggle with my bills just as easy at home as I can here. This is a day that we release our faith. We will see this house prosper above and beyond anything you've ever seen. I write the checks out of that checkbook. I've seen it grow. I'm going to tell you, three months ago, four months ago, money is in that checkbook that should not be in that checkbook. It is God. I'm not an accountant, and I will not let Jay Fulton get a hold of it. He will do his ever-loving best. He will, he'll, he'll go through that thing with a fine-tooth comb to try to find where that $3,000 came from. It's not there. It's not in that checkbook. It's not a deposit. I went through deposits. I went through outstanding checks. There's $3,000 more in that checkbook than what's supposed to be there by man's standards and man's math. God has intervened on behalf of what is going on in this house. Y'all, when we started walking in what we're supposed to be walking in, that checkbook has steadily increased. Do you realize, well, y'all don't because y'all don't know these things. Providence has had over the last several years probably less than half of its people pay tithes. Less than half. Probably closer to a third of its people have paid tithes. And even ones that are not here now. 
There's people outside of here that pay tithes here now. 90% of the people that call Providence their church, whether they're here or not, because we got some that call Providence their church, even though they hardly ever come, pay tithes to Providence Worship Center. God is doing something because some of those families didn't have tithes to pay. Didn't have an income to pay a tithe off of. Well, now, that scripture says, bring it in. Y'all have been bringing it, and they have been bringing it. We are aligning ourselves to the scripture. We are setting ourselves up so that the devourer does not have access to our finances. When we follow Malachi 3, 8 through 12, these other things can begin happening because we've said, okay, God, your word says this is what I do. Well, God, I'm going to do it. And when I do those, God, let me tell you something. When I do those, then you got to do this. Because I've aligned myself to your word. I've aligned myself to your promises. I've aligned myself to your seed process and this whole planting thing. Now, God, it's time to see a harvest. I came to talk to you about finances. I came to talk to you about how you get out of debt. Knowing that I'm raw up into my, my, my eyeballs in it. But I can tell you, me and my house, we're on our way out. I have reached a spot in my life, there's a piece of property that Natasha and I ride by all the time. I'm looking at it like I've ne it's above and beyond what I could ever afford. But if I never think beyond what I can actually do, I'll never have anything than what I can actually get. If I don't stretch my faith out farther than my current situation, I will never do anything but be in my current situation. One of the examples that Gary used in, is the fact that Peter and the rest of those guys fished all night long and didn't catch a daggum thing. But when they did what Jesus said do at the time that he said do it, the increase was more than they could even handle. Almost made the boat sink. What did we talk about Friday night? Boat loads. Y'all, my boat's going to get so heavy with the blessings of God that I'm going to have to find, like the woman in Second Kings, I'm going to have to find more buckets to put it in. Y'all may not get a hold of that, but I don't have a choice. You see, for what God's called Natasha and I to, and what God has called Keith and Janie to, and everybody else, there's got to be finances in this house. Keith and Janie, when they go into what God has called them to do, they better not have to pay for it out of their own pockets. That's our responsibility, people. This family has given us and this church everything they have. 
God has placed a calling on their lives bigger than this building right here. And we know that. We hadn't done anything to do it. Get them there yet, though. It's our responsibility to begin exercising our faith so that God can send increases by each one of y'all so that we can send them so they can have fun in Africa because I ain't going. They can go to the Caribbean. I'll go there. They can go to all these different places that God's called them to be. Keith Smith sees things way further than I can see them. Why? Because God has called him way further than what he's called me to. But if I don't latch my faith into what God has called him and Miss Janie to, then how can I expect to exceed my calling? We were talking last night, the difference between John Natale walking in his office of prophet and any one of y'all is one thing. He did it. We have got to did it. I don't. The last meal, Miss Judy had us draw numbers and everything else, and I got to sit with John. I don't sit with speakers. I don't get involved in them. They have enough going on. But it gave me the opportunity to understand John and his wife and family are doing nothing more than the very thing that God has called them to do. We have got to do the very thing that God has called us to do as a body. We have got to figure out how to get the finances right. You do that by operating in the faith that God has sent. You do that by expanding your horizons past your current setting so that you can begin to see, God, I may not see what it looks like to be debt-free right now in my little circle, in my little house, and that desk that we call the office at the house. I may not be able to see over the top shelf that has all the bills on it in the physical but if I don't latch away into my head that whole thing right there that God gave his only seed so that I won't perish. So that the seed of Isaac, the son of the father of many nations, that one little son, if I don't see past that one little bill or that one little dollar to understand God has got something bigger with our money and y'all, that's we have to come back to the money because that's that's our system. If we operated in shekels, we'd be sitting here saying shekels, whatever those are. And rubies and bartles and whatever. If we were in the West, we'd be talking about bits. Most days that's about what we feel like we got. It's a couple of little two bits. It's time to get past our two bits and get into the old double golden eagles that were the symbol of having money. I am learning to believe past today. I am walking on my sixth day of being an Israelite child. 
Monday through Saturday, they, get, they gathered, or Monday through Friday, they gathered enough just for that one day of living. But on Saturday, we equate that to this, on Saturday, they gathered more than enough to get them through to the next day of legal gathering time. I've lived Monday through Friday. I'm getting into Saturday's gathering. I'm going to begin gathering more than what I need to live today so that I can get through the next few days. If you don't believe any of this, then take your last piece of corn and go home and die. But if you give God half a chance, just half a chance, as Malachi, I will show, try me and I will show you what I can do. If you give him half a chance, these seeds right now have absolutely no good whatsoever. Right on the label it says, do not use for food, feed, or oil. In this package, my package full of dollar bills do nothing whatsoever. They have no chance of survival. They are no good to me. When I plant my seed in fertile ground, I will see it grow. Y'all, in the past, Natasha and I have thought, maybe Providence isn't the best place to do a seed offering. And in years to come, or years past, we probably weren't. We didn't know what we were doing. There is not more fertile ground that I will put my money in than right here at Providence Worship Center. I will not send my seed offering to Unity Church of God. I will not send my seed offering to Kenneth Copeland. Not saying I wouldn't, we won't make things there. But my seed offering that I expect to harvest off of is going to be made at Providence Worship Center because God has given this place the anointing to see it grow. A checkbook went from $2,500 to $10,000 on a regular basis. God has given fertile ground here, and if we will tap into the soil that God has put here now, we will see our financial needs met above and beyond. We will be walking in that sixth day from now on. We will gather up from the day that, from the time we wake up in the morning, we will gather more than what the baskets of, and barrels will hold the oil that is going to flow. Now, Father. Bless this that we've learned today. God, I pray right now that they can sort through my ramblings that I've made and my points that I've tried to make. Father, bless this seed. Bless this soil. God, that we will walk not only in knowing when to plant our seed, but we will walk in the knowledge of understanding the harvest time as well. A seed planted does no good unless we harvest it. God, bless the harvest time that we will understand when we actually reap those benefits. And God, just like every one of these seeds in this, these packages up here, each one of them have different dates of maturity. 
Father, teach us how to plant our seeds in such a way that every day there's provisions coming in. Not just one lump sum that will blow through. God, teach us how to understand the timetable that you've given so that provisions come in on a daily basis above and beyond. God, I pray that every one of these households here today and all of those represented in the Providence family, that their barrels, their empty barrels in their cupboards will flow forth and be filled with your oil. They will be filled above and beyond. God, I pray that I have to max out the number of checking accounts that you can have because FDIC only gives me a certain amount that they'll, they'll back up. God, I pray for the understanding on how to write out a million-dollar check. It's bigger than I am. But God, I pray that your will will be done in this house above and beyond everything else. You see, your will and your calling on this house is bigger than the dollar bills. But the dollar bills that come in will help do what you've called to do. God, I am planting my seed into your soil. I will see the harvest and I will be a part of the harvest of what you have called Providence Worship Center too. Not just in Jessup, not just in Georgia, but from the Bahamas to Africa. Wherever our seed goes forth into those soil, I will be a part of that harvest because I'm giving into this house. Now, Father, bless this time. Bless us as we go forth and, and eat or whatever. But God, as, as we really and truly understand John 3.16, that you gave your only seed that we would not perish. We will walk in that, God. Father, thank you for this day. I love you and I bless you.